One of my goals with the Secret Podcast is to make the supernatural more natural and the paranormal more normal. These are events and occurrences that happen as a part of our natural and normal everyday lives. We've just been conditioned to ignore them and deny their existence. Well, it's time to undo that conditioning. I'm proud to announce that Ray Davis and I of Sixth Sense Media have created our own Sixth Sense Media clothing line. We can't always go up to somebody and say, Hey, what do you think about disclosure and UFOs and aliens on the Earth? But you can wear one of our Disclosure Now t-shirts and get people's attention. Start the conversation or connect with another like-minded person who sees your shirt. If you're a truth seeker or someone looking to enact positive change in the world, why not wear it with pride? Connect with other like-minded truth seekers and become the change you want to be and see in this world. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store tab, and become the change you were born to inspire. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store. Welcome to Truth Seekers. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural that's exactly what i aim to do once again on this episode of the secret podcast i'm your host dennis nappy the second it's saturday evening february 16th 2019 just about 11 p.m i've been sitting here about the last hour prepping for the show completely fried this week i gave a little glimpse into my reality over the past uh, month my youngest has been sick, and it's caused me to reflect on a lot of things. Uh, I've gone down some dark roads, uh, so forgive me if I vent a little bit. Um, but my ultimate goal tonight on the show is to undo some of that negativity uh, and talk about manifesting the future that we want to see. I want to get into some some good data, some good research. I want to share towards the end of the show um, a, a snip from, from my book, Food for the Archons, that I think is highly relevant to what we want to talk about. But let me tell you. Uh, I, I stared at some. De- I was I was facing down despair this week, man. Uh, I, I took my youngest. Uh, like I said last week, she's been battling a stomach virus. You know, the nausea, the vomiting, the throwing up. She's a, you know, almost two years. She'll be two next month. Um, and last weekend, oh, what's today? Saturday. Yeah. So last weekend, um, she was throwing up again. Took her to the emergency room, and the di- I got there. I guess eleven, twelve o'clock at night. Doctor did nothing for us. You know, they they were too busy for us, I think, and he kept saying, well, she'll be okay, just got to let this thing pass, let it run its course. Um, The next day, she stopped eating, and she stopped drinking, and the following morning, she woke up, and her diaper was completely dry, which is a sign of the beginning of dehydration there. Um, So she again threw up, as my wife's on the phone with the family doctor, but here we are on Sunday, or Saturday morning, I'm sorry, and... um, I just threw her in the car, and, and, you know, we did the drive down to the hospital again. And, uh, again, the doctor said, oh, she has some tears, so she's okay. And, and basically the, what I took from that discussion at that hospital 
was, well, she's not actually like dying right now. So um, go home, follow up with your family doctor. But if she gets worse, then bring her back. I asked for blood work. They wouldn't do blood work. I wanted to see what her electrolyte count was. Um, I asked for some other tests to be run. They kept saying, nope, it's not going to tell us anything. So basically they said, just send your daughter home and, and, you know, we think she'll be okay. But I kept saying, like, she may have had 10 sips of water here, but she's going to, you know, go to the bathroom again in the next hour and lose more fluids, and she's not eating or drinking. But they didn't seem to care. Went to our family doctor on Monday, now a nervous wreck. As soon as I got there, he called the hospital and uh, forced them to admit her. And, um, you know, we, we had a great, we went to a different hospital than the one we were at previously. And it had a great pediatric unit, and they, um, they helped us. They, uh, we stopped feeding her solid foods. We got her on an IV to rehydrate her. And then after about 24 hours in the hospital, we gradually introduced some solid foods. And her system was able to tolerate it. So uh, we have some follow-up appointments this week. It was very scary, but it, it hit a lot of trigger points for me with my already frustration with our current medical care in the United States. Um, you know, I, I dealt with... Uh, the negligence of some doctors when my father died, so I had that resonating with me. Um, you have to fight for your health. You have to advocate. I don't like the word fight. You have to advocate. If something's wrong, if something doesn't seem right, ask more questions, make demands. If your needs aren't being met, go somewhere else. My frustration going to the doctors this time around was like, taking my car to the mechanic. If I don't have a mechanic that I trust, I don't know what the heck the guy's talking about. And, you know, in reality, we want to know everything about everything, so we know if we're being taken advantage of or being, you know, played or whatever, but we can't always know everything. So you, ha if you have a doubt, keep asking questions. You're the consumer. Um, and try to build those relationships in your own network of people you can trust. So when you have an emergency... Because let me tell you, this was one of the most helpless experiences of my life. I just, I, I've been doing great over the last six years taking care of my kids when they get sick, making the home remedies, um, curing all their ailments. And this was one I just couldn't beat. And um, it, it really, it's, it's a humbling thing. And it caused me, I'm trying not to go down this road again, but... It caused me to, again, question this existence, question this reality, because I look at my daughter, and, and it was scary what we went through, but what she dealt with is nothing compared to what other kids go through. And to live in a universe where that type of suffering is enacted on kids and their family, it just makes you question, man, what's it all about? Who are we really? What is our greater purpose? And, uh, you know, I don't want to make this show about that all depressing and stuff. She's doing better. Uh, and, and I'm so thankful, but let me tell you, I'm, I'm drained, man. So tonight, you know, today I was, I was fried. I was beat. My, she's not feeling so great again today, but she's doing okay. But, um, I, I just, it feels like the energy has been sucked out of me. You know, maybe the archons are feeding off of me this week. All the fear I've had going on, but so tonight as we're, you know, a little bit before bedtime, I, I just, I was laid on the couch for, you know, a couple hours today. I watched Terminator 2, so that was great for my, my thoughts. But uh, I, I wanted to take 
control again. And I decided I haven't gone on a run since the summer. Now, I work out, you know, every day. I do yoga and, and, and other exercises and stuff. But I haven't gone on a run since the summer. It's about 20 degrees out. It's pitch black. I mean, the moon's out, but it's, it's dark out. And my roads are pretty icy. My street itself, I live on a cul-de-sac. We're, you know, on a mountain. So everything's melting and then refreezing at night. But I said, I, you know, I just heard this intuition, this intuitive voice tell me, you need to go on a run. And uh, I did. I went out in the darkness with no light. Um, almost broke my neck on the ice getting off my street. But at the same time, every bone in my back cracked when I slipped. I didn't fall, just when I slipped. And I was like, oh, I feel pretty loose now. Um, I think I wanted to give myself a challenge that I felt I could do something about, that I could, that I could control. I could control the pace. I could control the pain. I could control my breathing. Um, you know, I was facing challenges with the elements cause it was pretty cold out and the ice and the darkness. Um, but those were challenges I was able to tackle and master. And I think I needed to feel that victory. Um, and in the end I pushed myself pretty hard and that was, it was, it lifted me. It did lift me a little bit. And I'm sharing that because I think it's important for us um, to have those mental health powers, the, the mental health tools in our toolkit when we're going through these hardships. Um, you know, meditation is great. Um, yoga is great. Exercise is great. Stop different things that we have. I had a tough time meditating when my daughter's been sick because I've been so stressed and worried about her. I've had a tough time doing Reiki because I can't find the focus to connect to Reiki energy. I've, I had quite a few good sessions with my daughter, but there's other times where I just, my energy is, I'm blocked. I'm so, so when the metaphysical stuff isn't working for you, it's time to do some physical stuff, some good hard exercises, clear your mind, um, find something that'll help you de-stress. Um, that certainly helped for me. All right. <clears throat> I spent a little more time on that than I wanted to, but let's let's move on. I, I have a couple stories here. I have three news articles that I want to share. This first one, uh, this came indirectly from Ray Davis. Ray sent me a Truth Stream uh, video, and they covered this article, and I just want to touch on it here because it kind of follows up to what I was just talking about, and it ties into you know, how my dad died and all this stuff. Um, so... CNBC covered this article. So it's a mainstream. This is not conspiracy theory stuff. All right. The title is Goldman Sachs asks in biotech research report, quote, is curing patients a sustainable business model? Yes, I read that correctly. They're asking if curing somebody, which is your what you claim your job is, is curing somebody sustainable for business purposes. This is a disgusting article. Goldman Sachs analysts, analysts attempted to address a touchy subject for biotech companies, especially those involved in the pioneering, quote, gene therapy treatment. Cures could be bad for business in the long run. Is curing patients a sustainable business model, analysts ask in an April 10th report entitled The Genome Revolution. The potential to deliver one-shot cures is one of the most attractive aspects of gene therapy, genetically engineered cell therapy, and gene editing. However, such treatments offer a very different outlook with regard to recurring revenues versus chronic therapies, analyst Salvatine Richer wrote in the note to Clients Tuesday. While analyst Salvatine, uh, where are we at? 
I've lost my place. While this proposition carries tremendous value for patients and society, it could represent a challenge for genome medication developers looking for sustainable cash flow. <clears throat> Richter cited Gilead uh, scientists sciences treatments for hepatitis C, which achieved cure rates for, of more than 90%. The company's U.S. sales for those hepatitis C treatments peaked at $12.5 billion in 2015, but have been falling ever since. Goldman estimates the U.S. sales for these treatments will be less than $4 billion this year, according to a table in the report. Guild is a case in point where the success of its hepatitis C franchise has gradually exhausted the available pool of treatable patients, the analyst wrote. In the case of infectious diseases such as hepatitis C, curing existing patients also decreases the number of carriers able to transmit the virus to new patients. Thus, the incident pool also decreases. Where an incident pool remains stable, e.g. in cancer, the potential for a cure poses less risk to the sustainability of a franchise. The analyst didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. The report suggests three potential solutions for biotech firms. Solution one, address large markets. Hemophilia is a 9 to 10 billion worldwide market. Solution two, address disorders with high incidence. Spinal muscular atrophy affects the cells in the spinal cord, impacting the ability to walk off, eat, or breathe. Solution three, Constant innovation and portfolio expansion. There are hundreds of inherited retinal diseases, genetic forms of blindness. Pace of innovation will also play a role in future programs uh, can offset the declining revenue trajectory of prior assets. Okay. This article is disgusting. I've had some arguments with some people about my trust in medicine. Uh, my daughter's experience just only adds to that. But... Overall, it was a vaccine debate that I've been having. This is why I don't trust vaccines. I'm not saying vaccines are bad. I'm not saying that at all. My kids are vaccinated. What I'm saying is I don't trust the people behind vaccines telling me this is all that's in there. They're safe. They're not going to do any harm. People in power do corrupt things. Is it, am I a wackadoo for saying, well, maybe they'll release the disease into the world and then offer us the cure? David Icke, problem, reaction, solution. I go on forever about this. I'm going to be sending this article to a few people uh, personally because we had an argument not too long ago. All right, this one from Unknown Country. Insect species are going extinct eight times faster than the Earth's vertebrates. Oh, my gosh. It's not just the bees that are in danger of being wiped out now. A global review of the world's insect population has found that insect species are going extinct in a rate uh, eight times faster than mammals, birds, and reptiles, and the trend could result in a catastrophic collapse of nature's ecosystems if the current trend continues. The Joint Australian-Chinese Review has found that more than 40% of insect species are currently in decline, and a third have become endangered. Although the combined mass of insects on Earth currently outweighs humanity 17 to 1, total mass of this particular class of invertebrates has been dropping by 2.5% per year for the past quarter century. Uh, and it, if that rate were to continue unabated, insects could vanish from the face of the planet by the end of the century. That's very concerning, my friends. There's more to this article. I will share it in the show notes so you can read it at sixcentsmedia.net. And it will be in the Seeker newsletter uh, as well. 
right, here we go. Here's a little AI fear-based stuff for you. Uh, it's just it's AI development. New robot is, this is from uh, futurism.com. New robot is on the path to machine self-awareness, says the creator. We would like this ability is on the path to machine self-awareness. Researchers at Columbia University say they've built a robot arm that can construct a self-image from scratch, a capability they, they frame uh, provocatively as a step toward machines that are truly self-aware. This is perhaps what a newborn child does in its crib as it learns what it is, said Hop Lipson, a professor of mechanical engineering who worked on the robot in a press release. We conjure that this advantage may have also been the evolutionary origin of self-awareness in humans. While a robot's ability to imagine itself is still crude compared to humans, we believe that this ability is on the path to machine self-awareness. All right, so let's look at this from a couple angles. I mean... We, collectively as a species, our scientists, are in the process of creating life, um, intelligence, consciousness. That's a, a powerful thing to do. Um, and this creature is becoming, this creature, this robot, this arm, is, is becoming self-aware. And, and the article goes on to talk about, you know, as they're watching this process of awakening, we're learning about ourselves. And I, as I'm following these articles, I'm learning about ourselves. And, and I, you know, I just, I really think, let's take the old debate, you know, evolution versus creation. I think it's a combination of the two, honestly. But if you take your creationist point of view and you put the, the mad scientist spin on it, or you put the Anunnaki spin on it, or the ancient alien spin on it, it's, I, I say it all the time, it's kind of what we're doing right now. We're creating life to serve us. And I think that's why we were created. We were created for some specific purpose. And although we think, oh, I can... I know I exist. I think, therefore, I am. Quoting some Descartes here, right? I I don't know that we're self-aware. In the in the email that I shared last week, we talked about that. You know, that self-actualization. That we're. I think some of us are on the road to becoming self-aware. But I know. You know, sometimes I'll do a, a, what I feel is a great show, and I think, "Yep, we got this." And then I'll go out, and I'll. I'll meet people or I'll talk with people, not about anything that I cover on the show, just about life in general. And their focus is, you know, nine to five. Their job doesn't require a lot of thought. And and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but they're not doing anything in their life where they're being forced or, or choosing to, to grow any further intellectually. They'll watch the, the five o'clock news every night and accept what's told to them. And they look forward to maybe their days off on the weekend and, and you know, getting drunk and, and whatever. It's, they, they have these routines, and their life exists in that bubble. And if you start talking to them about, hey, AI software, we're living in the matrix, and, uh, you know, we're being visited by other intelligence that are, that are not human that have some kind of role in human affairs, they don't want to hear that. So there's a large population of people who aren't on that journey and I don't I don't mean that in a condescending way I, I honestly sincerely don't but there's there's some of us who are on that journey 
but I don't think we're there. And I've spoken to some people who have taken, who have seen some wonderful things as they expand their consciousness, but I don't think even they're fully self-aware. I think we're glimpsing. I think, I think the the most advanced seers, the most advanced travelers, and explorers in, into human identity, have gotten a glimpse. I think we we have an understanding. I, I say we. I don't mean I'm in that category, but I me, we collectively, us truth seekers out there, I think we have an idea that I'm more than this. But I don't think we know what this is. I. I don't. Sometimes I think I do, and then I realize I'm being an idiot for thinking that I know anything. Um, but I think that's important. I think that's important. Um, and I think that as we watch AI develop, I think it can inspire a lot in us. But again, obviously I have my fears. I, again, after watching Terminator 2 today, what a, what a great movie that is, man. Um Auto la vista, baby. Good movie. I'm trying not to feed into those fears tonight, which is, I guess, how I'll segue into kind of what I want to talk about and building a a better future. Actually, but before that, I'm looking at my notes here. I got to make one comment. I try not to get too political here. Um, But with this national emergency that that Trump is, is... declaring again i think we're looking at problem reaction solution um but it goes against checks and balances man whether we need the wall or not you can't just get mad and and do what you want you have to have the approval of congress there's checks and balances for a reason and when you're not following that and, and i'm speaking to Trump supporters and Trump haters as well. There's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. Whether you agree with the wall or don't agree with the wall, we have checks and balances to make sure not one person doesn't step in and just do what they want. We need those checks and balances. So if you are a a Trump supporter, and that's okay, that's your right, that's your choice, and I support you and honor you for that choice, please make sure we're following the rules. Uh, Otherwise, we're going to walk into a much more dangerous situation, in my opinion. All right. I don't really want to talk negative stuff anymore. I've been thinking a lot about what we've been covering. I've been tracking the UFO stuff. That could be good. That could be bad. But there's bad stuff in the past of the UFO stuff. It's exciting. It's interesting. And we've been tracking the AI development. And I've been talking with Edward Reardon and the remote viewing data coming out of there as well. We've been, been doing some really good analysis here and, and putting things together. Um, and, and the world, the future, based on this coverage, not looking too great. Uh, Edward gives us three to four years based on his data that he's obtaining through remote viewing. And again, he's on a team with the top, some of the top remote viewers in the world, some of the best there are. So his data, I would consider credible, worth worthy of our attention. I do have some questions about it, 
and I have some questions that I think we need to get a better understanding of back to who are we? What is our power? What is this reality? I was listening. Ray sent me uh, a secure team interview with John Hogue from the other day. John Hogue, uh, I remember, I I never really followed his work, but he's kind of always been there, whether you're listening to him on Coast to Coast AM um, or back in the day I used to watch Ancient Prophecies. And Ancient Prophecies was the, you know, the, the guilty pleasure my mom had uh, that I used to watch with her, and it was all the predictions about how the world's going to end. And so, you know, he's he studies prophecy. He makes his own prophecies. He was going through his method um, of how he connects and gets his information about what to expect in the future. And one of the things he said is, you, you know, the next couple years are going to be a major challenge for us. He said that the 2020s are going to basically determine if the human race survives at all or not. So we have some trials and and tribulations coming up, and that does corroborate with the data we got from Ed, Ed Reardon. But there's something that's been gnawing at me with, with these types of prophecies. I, I wonder, is this another form of fear-based manipulation that we just aren't aware of yet? Because when I was a kid, and I, if I would sense... You know, I can often sense if there's a presence or an energy in the room. The room feels different. You know, might be a ghost, might be something else. And when I was a kid, as soon as I'd sense it, my Catholic upbringing, get out of here in the name of Jesus Christ. You're not welcome in my home. Get out. I bless you. You need to leave. Like, right away. I, my, I just spike this reaction and, and push it away. And as I got older and got a little bit more curious, I stopped sending everything away that came near me. And then I would start to explore my feelings. And what I realized, what I initially felt was the same time when you walk into a room and somebody's there, you didn't expect to see them, it surprises you. When I walk into a room and there's an energy there, it sometimes surprises me. But then when you stop for a second and evaluate that energy, is this energy a threat? Is it negative? Is it harmful? No, it's just curious, or it's just here. It's nothing to worry about. You don't have to send it away. We need to learn to recognize, is this good? Is this bad? Is this serving us? Is this not? I think we need to, and, and maybe I'm going to throw some remote viewing targets out there for anybody listening. What is the source of this information? Where is this coming from? Um, and, and what's its reason for sharing it with us? These are things that we need to know. Why does this data come to us in regards to prophecy and end times? That's a big question that I have. Um, why is this data coming to us? What's the ultimate goal of it? And we also need to figure out, can remote viewing data be manipulated? Can it be skewed? Can it be sent to us to give us data to man- further manipulate us. If we're within the matrix, then I'd say anything is possible when it comes to giving us information and data. And, and why do I ask this? Because I've got this, we'll call it a question, as I say in the beginning of the show, or as Morpheus says in the beginning of the show, it's the question that drives us. This question has brought you to me, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. 
we've been hearing about the, uh, at least for me, I've been hearing about the end of the world since I was a kid. I remember the year 2000, the world's going to end. Y2K. I remember being on call with the military for that. Okay. We survived Y2K. 2012. The world, that's it. The world's going to end. You know, now we're looking at Skynet's coming within the next 20 years and, and I'm, I'm peddling that one. I'm pushing that. Here it comes. Here it comes. Does that mean scary stuff isn't going to happen? No, I mean because it, it's possible that sometimes when you look at the future, you change the future because you're able to take different, make different decisions. So, you know, and they addressed that in the Terminator series. Uh, they said, you know, we didn't stop the Judgment Day. We just delayed it. Maybe that's what we're doing when we look at the future. We say, all right, we're going to take steps to delay it, but maybe it's inevitable. Um, as he said in The Matrix, it's inevitable. That wasn't a good impression. But these are the questions, again, for my analysts out there, for my researchers, for my, my taskers, my target taskers in the remote viewing world. Can we get some data on this if we don't have it already? Where is the information? I'll say it again. Where is the information coming from? What's the objective of whatever that source sharing that information is? I, I just I just wonder. I know sometimes maybe we're just looking at events, but I wonder if it can be skewed. I think we need to put together some targets like that. And here's why. John Hogue said something in his interview on Secure Team with, uh, with Rex. He says, we're, you know, basically, we're moving forward in time, in our perception of time at least, but we're looking in the rearview mirror. We're looking, as we're driving forward, we're looking at what happened in the past, and therefore... We're expecting that, that we think that's what's coming ahead in the future. And it just becomes a cycle. Now, if you study history longitudinally, is that the right way to say longitudinally, long-term, whatever? If you study history, history repeats itself. And John, I think John's on to something. You know, I'm reminded of what David Icke says when he says, energy flows where attention goes. David Icke gives the example, if you're in a restaurant and somebody's staring at your back, you tend to feel that and you turn around and look at them. Energy goes where attention flows. I've done a lot of shows covering how, you know, we're conscious creators. I've talked about Hollywood, and the reason why Hollywood puts this stuff out here maybe is to plant the seed so then we can consciously start to manifest what Hollywood's putting out there. Now, there was an influx in UFO movies back starting in, like, the late 90s with Independence Day, and then it expanded from there, exploring a lot of these topics, the ancient aliens topics, planting those seeds. Ancient aliens came out on the History Channel, and it's taken off. It, you know, are they planting these seeds so then we, the truth seekers, the, and I, I touched on this last week again, the, the, the liberators, the people who here think we're fighting the good fight and sharing information, are actually spreading, the, we are the ones spreading the agenda. I, I legitimately worry about that. Are we, is that the hidden power? Is that why that so much repression has happened, why we've forgotten who we are? Because collectively individually we have power but collectively we have tremendous power because let's face it maybe we are part of some kind of hive mind but our ignorance of that connection is what prevents us from tapping into our own power to manifest the future that we want is that making sense i'm thinking about william bankston of the hands-on healing program i told you i was working on that uh, i guess about a year ago i was talking about it I didn't get through the whole program yet. Just kids and work just makes it kind of difficult. But in Bankson's research, now he's a scientist, he's a researcher. The system he put together is it's basically a visualization system with intention and feeling and emotion. It's your feeling, 
emotion and intention that gives you the power to manifest. And he's getting results curing cancer. Uh, he talks about his, his clinical trials with rats, his, his, his studies with rats and curing cancer. And what you're doing is you're creating pictures in your mind and those pictures have feeling and emotion that are attached to them, and he does what's called rapid image cycling, and you're just running through all those pictures. But the point in being, his key to manifesting what you want is that visualization, that putting yourself there and feeling it as if it's happened. Not I want, because when you say I want, you're reinforcing I don't have. You need to put yourself in the situation what does it feel like? He says one of the things he visualizes when he's healing somebody is the party they're going to have when they get the test results back that the person's better. What does that party feel like? What does that celebration feel like? Those are the results, and that's the focus. And that, and as I talked about last night, jumping timelines, um, I, I think that Ray gave me some good stuff. Ray, I, I got to get to that stuff. I want to cover it on the show. I, I, I can't do it this week, but I, I want to get to what you talked about. But if we're jumping if we're literally, literally jumping timelines, it's because we're shifting our focus. We're changing that direction. So right now, at least for me, and maybe I'm going on this timeline and you're listening to me, and because our timelines are somehow interconnected, you're going, that's just not my, that's just not my journey, Dennis. I'm in this utopian society. I don't know why you're always talking. I mean, that's, that's highly possible. We, any, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. My point being, maybe if we shift our focus, this doom and gloom timeline is still going to happen. I had to come back to this this week, guys. I'm sorry. The doom and gloom timeline still happens, but your perception and focus will not no longer be in that timeline. Your awareness will now be in the other timeline where the good stuff happens. Greg Braden does a lot with this as well. He has a video um, that he put out there of two traditional Chinese medicine practitioners doing uh, something similar to Reiki, um, and you watch it on the monitor, they cure it. They may basically make a tumor disappear. I know it sounds fantastic, but... And he says what they visualized was the feeling of not having the tumor. And this tumor in this woman disappears. And he shared a story about uh, a Native American, I think the guy was Hopi, uh, who... They were experiencing this drought. I'm stealing Greg Braden's thunder, and I think I've talked about this story probably over a year ago now. But he said the guy went to a sacred—he said, I need, we, we need some rain. I need to go do a rain prayer. And Greg said, okay. So he went to this sacred space. It was a, some stone circle, I guess, that was built on a point of energy. He says the guy went in there for a minute, said a little prayer— and then walked out. It was nothing fantastic. And Greg said, you know, about, I don't know, a couple hours later, he said the skies opened up and they had so much rain that then they had this crazy flooding going on. And he asked me, he says, how did you do that? And he says, I went in there and I felt the feeling of rain. That's how he communicated to the universe. Not, oh, I wish it would rain because it's so dry out. What you're communicating to the universe right there is it's dry. I want it to be dry. He went there and felt the feeling of my feet are wet in the mud. The rain is on my skin. That, those are the feelings that he invoked in himself. And that, if we're in some kind of matrix, that is 
what the system can read from you, what your intention is. That's how we can communicate. Let's think about this. If we go back into you know, the biblical tales, if we are truly the guardians of the garden, the gatekeepers of the garden, the tenders, that's the word I'm looking for, we're assigned to tend the garden. If this earth is the garden, then maybe we do have the ability, initially maybe we had the ability to communicate with this garden, but we've lost that connection. The, the Gnostic texts talk about um, the archons confusing mankind and throwing him into a life of chaos and trouble so he would forget matters of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that Holy Spirit is that electromagnetic universal life force energy everywhere that allows for that communication, not just with one another, but with the universe or possibly, I hate to use the term, God itself. I think that there's enough out there that this warrants our attention and our focus. And, and let's take this to a more practical level. You know, I was on a big, you guys know, I was on a big Tony Robbins kick back in November and December. And I was listening to a lot of successful business leaders like him because I'm trying to grow Sixth Sense Media right now. I'm trying to grow it. So I'm, I'm listening and learning everything I can. And what I've learned about a lot of these guys who become successful, part of it is their visualization. The way they set goals, the way they go about achieving goals. Visualization and is a big piece of that. A lot of them journal and they write out, here's what my goal looks like. And as they're going through that, they're feeling that success. Tony Robbins says, once I decide I'm going to do it, it's already done. The steps just need to fall into place now. That's the power of manifestation. So what can we do? Because I think... And, and, and I'm afraid that I'm, if you're listening to my show, I'm driving us towards that future where AI takes over and the UFO invasion happens and it's bad. But what I want to do is I like covering that stuff. It's, it's interesting. It's enjoyable. And I think it's important to understand the potential harm that could be out there. But I think to protect ourselves, to counteract that potential negativity, um, and to change the agenda of what we're seeing through the fear-based negativity media companies that are out there. We need to do our own visualizations. Uh, you know, We should be meditating every day as it is. Meditation is difficult for some of us, but it doesn't have to be. There's plenty of courses and training programs out there and apps that you can get. You don't always have to just sit there and try to clear your mind. That's almost impossible to do. There's different ways you can learn to meditate. Practice every day. Find a system that works for you, and then start expanding on that. As part of your meditation, work on visualizations. Visualize the future that you want for yourself, for your family, for your community, and for the world. Visualize it. Write about it in a journal. Every single one of you out there listening I encourage you, get a journal, record your dreams, record any psychic, intuitive encounters that you have, write down any interesting information that you want to research or you have researched, and start writing down your goals and what you want for the future, your visualization. Make it something beautiful and review it often. Create it in your mind Create and feel it in your mind heart. And you'll find that 
that the things you need to manifest that start coming into your life. I, I think I'm giving myself the advice I need right now because I've, <laughs> I've been struggling over the last month. So uh, I don't have this down perfectly because I got hit with a crisis this month and I've kind of fell apart. It hit my Achilles heel, I think. But create a vision board. A lot of successful people have a vision board. And it, just, it could be a piece of poster board. It could be a, um, a bulletin board where you start cutting out from magazines or printing off the Internet pictures of what you want. Simple example, you want that new car? Put the new car there. Put a picture of you standing next to that new car. Put a picture of where you know everything that affiliates with that new car. And you look at it every day. And you don't just look at it and then look away. You look at it and you visualize it and you picture yourself. What does it feel like to drive in it? How fast does it go? Imagine yourself with the windows down. Imagine yourself pulling up to a stoplight and getting the attention that you want in the car or survive, like driving off-road and enjoying whatever it is that you want to do with this. But let's take that concept and expand it. What do you... Right now, I want you to think about this. If you're not driving, close your eyes for a minute. What do you envision for your future? Where do you see yourself tomorrow? Where do you see yourself in a week? Where do you see yourself in a year? Five years? How about ten years? Anything is possible. So ask yourself again. If you could do anything you wanted, be anyone you wanted, where are you tomorrow? Where are you next week, next month, next year, in five years, and in ten years? Think about that and write it down and read it every day. Right now, I'm staring at a big whiteboard I have where I wrote down all of those goals. And I was doing it every month. I was updating my monthly goals every month until my daughter got sick, and then I kind of just <laughs> fell apart. But I still got my one-year, my five-year, my 10-year goals, um, which I need to get back to focusing on. That needs to be a part of your daily ritual, your daily visualization, your daily meditation. I, um, I just want you to picture the world that you want and not just I want that picture how it feels while we have it I can't stress that enough um, sorry I got going and I almost forgot that I promised I'd share some of my book um, this is from a chapter talking about how we can access our full power I'm just going to read an excerpt from it and I think it'll drive the point home that I'm trying to talk about here. As Frederick Nietzsche once stated, whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. And if you gaze long enough into the abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. Presently, many scream for revolution. They take to the streets and proudly shout in support of their cause or in opposition to their oppressors. Although their reasons may be benevolent, their pursuit of change builds tension and conflict. It charges the surrounding energetic atmosphere with stress and negativity, infecting those who come into contact with it, spreading negativity like an airborne virus. Although intentions may initially be noble, 
The rage of negativity blinds the masses from their benevolent objectives and festers like a plague. Revolutionaries and advocates for change may one day find themselves using the same tactics they are protesting in order to fight the oppressors using such tactics. In essence, they find they have become the monsters they are fighting. This could in part be connected to the electromagnetic field of emotion. If one was to gaze into this abyss of emotional energy long enough without grounding themselves in awareness and positive emotion, the abyss of emotion may then gaze into them and affect their thoughts, feelings, and actions while also creating a plethora of loose in the process. When advocating for change, we should consider creating the change we want instead of fighting the force of oppression. For as Dr. King stated, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate, violence multiplies violence, and toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. The chain reaction of evil, hate begetting hate, wars producing more wars, must be broken or we shall be plunged into the dark abyss of annihilation, end quote. In order to bring about peace, we need to become peace. We need not fight evil, for in doing so we run the risk of committing evil acts and becoming evil ourselves. Imagine a world where each individual town and municipality employed a small population of meditators. Their job would be to focus on peace and cleanse the energetic fields in their given area. As we explored in this chapter, imagine if this technique was taught and practiced in all schools. The positive flow would be overwhelming and may play a major role in the reduction of conflict and suffering. It may eliminate the desire and even the need for protests and instead produce harmony among communities. Violence begets more violence. What can peace produce? So that's one of the uh, main goals of my book. And if you've been listening to the show, this makes sense. But I, I, I'm building to this power that we have throughout my book. Like I said, it started as a book of despair. We're helpless. There's nothing we can do. But what if we're not? What if we really do have this power? And it's easier than we think, but we need to learn to disconnect and ground ourselves from the bombardment of negativity and fear that we are constantly thrown. So I try every show, when I cover the negative stuff, I, I don't always get to do it because I get sucked in to try to ground us with the good that could come from it or how to redirect it and avert it. And I need to focus more on that. So that's something I need to work on for all of you and I think for all of us. Remember, the Maharishi effect tells us 1% of meditators is all that is needed or all that is needed to impact positive change in a given environment. Okay? I hope this show is empowering for, for you truth seekers out there. We may be facing some scary stuff. But we don't need to be afraid if we can know thyself and access our true power. I do believe. I truly believe. Otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this. Believe me, after the week I had, it took a, lot of, took a lot of my remaining strength to do this show tonight. But I think that it's important. You know, I was looking at, at what I have, what Ray and I have, I'm sorry, at Sixth Sense Media. And I look at the stories that we've been covering. And this is more than just reporting the news. This is more than, although sometimes it is me stroking my own ego and, and just sharing my personal experiences. I think we have fantastic analysis and a fantastic framework for moving forward into the future. I think we have real power here. 
We're not trying to scare you. We are trying to empower you. And I'm giving a plug to Sixth Sense Media right now, obviously, but I think our content has that ability to help guide us through some of the scary times, to remind us that we can be happy and we can dance and surf instead of trying to fight against the current. We can learn to surf the wave and enjoy the experience as we go through the challenges that life throws our way. Collectively, if we can do this, that's change, my friends. That's power. I'm going to stop beating this up. I'm, uh, I'm actually feeling dizzy right now because I'm just fried, I think. So I need to go ahead and end the show here, get something to eat, and, uh, and get to bed. It's just about midnight. I'll have this show out for you guys tomorrow. If you haven't done so already, please, please go to SixthSenseMedia.net. There's a couple things I need you to do. Click on our store tab. Check out our T-shirts. Ray and I are throwing new designs up there each week. It supports our operation and what we're doing here. We're trying to expand. We've got big ideas, but you know we need uh, we need to grow. Check out the shirts; they're fantastic. You heard the commercial at the beginning of the show. Um, please, it supports the show. Check out Ray's book, Anunnaki Awakening. You can find the links at sixcentsmedia.net. And don't forget to get my free ebook. I am human and we are not who we think we are. And you'll be subscribed to the secret newsletter, which is the best way to stay connected to us and find out what's going on at Sixth Sense Media and on the secret podcast. SixthSenseMedia.net slash I am human, all one word. You will not be disappointed and you'll get the secret newsletter in your inbox every single week. I'm out of time, my friends. I've got a big guest coming up in the near future. I'm working on it for next week. I don't know for sure, but check back, check back often, check back regularly. Tell your friends, like, share, comment, give ratings on the show. It helps uh, the algorithms to show the show to other people, show the show to spread the show to other potential listeners, truth seekers, agents of change. Have a wonderful week, my friends. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast. The small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep open mind. Thank you.